0: Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Rath Podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I am talking to the amazing Lisa Woodruff. We're talking about how to get organised for your PhD journey. Lisa shares so many tips with us, not only for kind of study admin, but also life admin more generally. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. Lisa. Hi, Emma. How are you? I am very, very excited. That's how I am. I, um, I, I, can't, I can't wait to talk to you about this stuff. I'm, 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 I'm a big fan on Instagram. So I've, <laughs> we met each other on Instagram, and um, I just, I love what you do, and um, I, I can't wait to talk to you more about it. Um, so thank you so much for saying yes to coming onto the podcast.
1: Um, Well, thank you for your podcast because it really helped me as after I had applied for my PhD to mentally prepare me for what I am embarking on. So thank you.
0: Oh, you're so, you're so, so welcome. Um, So let's start with that then. Let's start with that in terms of your journey and what has brought you now to, to the PhD?
1: Yeah. So as usual, I do things in the opposite way that they're supposed to be done. (laughs) So. So I, you know, I was a school teacher, I was a stay at home mom, I've started my own company. And along the way, um, I wanted to do academic research. So Mm -hmm. I actually hired a PhD in my audience to help me do academic level research around, you know, how do people get organized at home? And how does executive function affect that? And what can we Mm -hmm. uncover in academia so we can research more? And we did three research studies over two years and I spent a lot of money. And then I realized that there's not a lot of research around this and that I really want to do this like for the rest of my life. And I want to be able to be a first author, which means I have to get a PhD now. <laughs> so I love that you said I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this research. Um,
0: and then so you were, and you were saying about sort of getting ready then in terms of this preparation that you've done. Um, what how has that been in terms of coming back into academia and the preparation that you've done
1: oh my goodness so um I have been talking about getting a PhD in psychology for seven years right but right. I never thought I would have enough time and then I just decided that you know I've I've over 11 years I've grown my company I have a team now so it's not just me and The conversations that I want to be able to have, the seat that I want to have at the tables I want to be at, Mm. you need to have a PhD to be there. Mm. And so I'm 50, and I want to live to be 100. And I'm like, what's four years? (laughs) So so I just decided to do it. And I was like, what the heck did I just do? And so there are very few podcasts about getting your PhD. Yours is one of the best. And I literally changed the whole thing. I, I just, I just binged it from, from episode one, all the way till now to, you know, if you want to become something and no one around you is that thing, then the only way for you to immerse yourself in that world is through a podcast or through a book or, you know, and so, yeah, that's what I did.
0: Love it. I love it. And I I think this sense of, going and being and immersing yourself in that and finding out and and that's the thing that's what i wanted this podcast to do actually in terms of be the opportunity to drop into those conversations that are happening so that you're able to listen to what other people are doing what's going on and get and get that information so i am delighted that, that it feels like it's working so that's very good news um and so but so you're getting information from other places but also of course you're bringing a whole wealth of experience here and and now we, and now we get now we get to the good stuff because now we get to your expertise in organization and um and how you're applying that to your preparation for the phd and um and what it's going to mean for your research too so tell 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 us about organization and organize 365
1: okay so you know i i Run a company with employees. So, like, I can't quit my day job, as most people getting a PhD can't quit their day job. I am an empty nester, so I'm not in the active parenting years, which I think is hugely helpful. But I have a do have a baby grandson. My 21-year-old daughter has a little baby and lives with us. So I am a very active grandparent and I want to stay married. So I really prioritize (laughs) my husband. And so the hours that you have in a week, but there are still only so many hours. So I had to do two things. First, in organization, I figured out how many hours this was going to take. And the university that I am at counseled you to have 25 to 30 hours a week. So I figured out how to have 30 hours a week. And I reduced my work hours down to 30 hours a week. And then I proactively put in an hour with my grandson every day, a date night with my husband every week, and a Sunday dinner with my mother-in-law every week. So I knew that that was all already on the calendar. So literally there's not very much extra time on my calendar, mm-hmm. but at least everything has a place. So that was like, number one, like I was I was scrolling my phone while we were watching TV for over half an hour, just, you know, looking at my calendar, modi- modifying my calendar the other night. And my husband said, how long can you look at your calendar? And I was like, I probably spend three hours a week just making sure everything's gonna get done on my calendar
0: oh i love it i love a calendar i love a calendar and i think what you said there is so important in terms of because so much around um phd anxiety is about scarcity i've not got enough time there isn't enough time and i love that what you've done from the get-go is go i have got enough time i'm going to make use of the time that i've got and here it is i've, I've planned it out and this i'm, I'm going to use this my time in this way so gorgeous so gorgeous um Tell me more. Tell me what you're doing.
1: Okay. So the second thing is I am a whole to part learner. So what that means is if I don't have the context. If I don't know where we're going, then you could tell me all the details you want until I know where we're going. I didn't hear a thing you said. So so not do 15 to 30 minutes here, 15 to 30 minutes there. Like I need deep dive time so that I can immerse myself in it. So I go to school all day, Monday, all day, Thursday. And so I don't work at all on Mondays and Thursday. And the team can email me and they can do whatever they want, but they know I'm not going to respond until Tuesday or Friday. And so the team knows when they can talk, talk to me for work. And then I have the freedom to really deep dive and get lost in the research and writing my papers, or whatever I'm doing, without worrying that I am dropping the ball somewhere else.
0: So I think, again, just to reflect this back this real strength in terms of going this is how I learn this is how I approach things Mm and I'm I'm kind of really going to claim that way of working because that's such an important thing on the PhD journey and often takes people by surprise and so you are well ahead of the game there in terms of going okay this is this is what I need and setting that up for yourself and just encouraging other people to do that for themselves and go, okay, how do I best learn? Um, and how can I set mm-hmm. that up for myself rather than just taking whatever comes my way? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so we've got, we've got the scheduling, we've got the knowing what works for you and making sure that that's set up and ready. Any Anything else?
1: Okay. So this took me a couple of weeks, but once I figured this out, like the rest of my PhD journey is going to be so much easier. So, I am actually in a post-baccalaureate program. I'm not a PhD candidate yet. I didn't get accepted. So because I, I, I don't have a master's even, like I need to learn research before I can be accepted. So I'm in a, a pre-doctoral program. I'm going to do it. Okay, totally, <laughs> so I have two, <laughs> two classes in a research lab and they all have their own due dates. So there's you know certain reading you have to do, certain quizzes you have to do, certain papers you have to do, a blog post in one class. This one wants the APA formatting the formal way. This one wants the APA formatting the student way. So I um, was trying to figure out all these due dates. And I already have seven calendars, so I don't need another calendar. And knowing when things are due doesn't help you if you don't have the time to do them. So a couple weeks in, I finally took every single thing that was required of me, whether it was a quiz, a book, a a chapter reading, whatever, and I put it in a spreadsheet. And I organized it based on when it was due. And then I color coded it based on class. So my research is red, Psych 501 is orange, and Psych 502 is yellow. So I put everything in order based on when it was actually due. And then I color coded it for which class it was. And then I printed it out. And it was two and a half pages worth of actionables. But now, when I have my time to work and I look, I can then go, oh, okay. I'm going to read and I can read for all three classes at once. And I know exactly what's due. And I'm just crossing them off in order. And I know how long it takes me to write my papers now. And so I make sure that I get started on those right away because I have dyslexia. So I need someone to help me edit and make sure that I have yeah, all my letters yeah. correct. and They're not swimming around on the page. Um, and that gives me so much sense of peace because I just got a new assignment from um, a lab group that I'm in that I didn't realize was going to be there but I'm ahead in my work. So now I could just add that in and I know where it goes. Um, and some weeks I do more work in one class. And some weeks I do more work in another class, but at least all of the classes are staying up to date.
0: This is genius. And I love, I, I love- I
1: waste your... no time. It's just, it's
0: brilliant. I love what you said, because you said, there's no point knowing when it's due if you don't know if you don't know you're going to do it. And it's true. And I think that people- it, it, the deadlines become really oppressive mm-hmm. and actually mm-hmm. it's that sense of expansiveness before isn't it and i love mm-hmm. this sense of you giving yourself buffer zones as well so you've got you're really clear and you're able to really make good use of what you're of the time you have and you also have got a bit yes. of a buffer so as you say yes. you can then go brilliant i'm ahead of the game that's coming because think life happens right
1: things come in and, um, yes, and when you think about the mental load, like, so, I mean, I have a lot of things on my mind. Women in general just yes. have so much on their minds that I find that if I start to read a chapter, but I don't have time to take the quiz, it is counterproductive for me because I'll read the chapter, then I'll worry that I'm going to forget it, and then I'll, my brain will think these other things, and then I'll take it's so much mental. But mm-hmm. if I just block out enough time to read the chapter and take the quiz at one time and don't think about it before, All of my mental effort is so focused. So like I block out four to five hours to write a paper all at once, which I know not everyone can do. Although I think if you're creative, you probably can. So I actually read the assignment, get the articles and start writing it and pretty much get the rough draft done. Because if I stop and go do something else, when you come back, you lose so much time remembering where you left off and what was that article. and uh,
0: I love it. I love it. And I love the way because mm-hmm. I have often talked about people being like their own celebrity handler. You know, so you've got you've got yeah. everything ready. It's yes. all there. And yes. all you have to do is turn up and smile and wave. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's what you've done. You know, like that's what you've done. The yes. papers are there. You, 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 you know exactly what assignment it's mm-hmm. for. It's all set up for yourself.
1: Yes, Emma. So a couple more things. Like I've, I'm like so obsessed with this. No, I'm loving I this. I'm loving this. I'm feeling like, I, I feel like this, is, this,
0: is, this is it. This is a series. This is a whole series,
1: right? Oh my gosh. Because I'm only in week five <laughs> of the journey. So everything I do now, it is just saving me exponential time. That's what organization always, always, always saves you time. And productivity increases capacity. That's what I say. So I'm always looking, how can I save time? And with that saved time, how can I in- increase the capacity that I have? So I did a couple more things. I set up in Word a paper, a sample paper in each of my classes, the way the teacher wanted it formatted. So when I need to write a paper, I just pull up that sample and then I save it as the new um, thing and I start writing it. All the formatting is already correct. This is brilliant. Okay. And one this more. Brilliant. keep going. I'm keep this going. Is brilliant. Okay. So <laughs> I should them. tell you, I was a preschool and kindergarten teacher. This is it. This is where it comes from. Teaches, yes. Everything organized three sixty five teaches is not rocket science, but every single person is successful because I teach in every single learning modality you could possibly have, and I make it kindergartenable. So I made writing my papers kindergartenable. So I I usually have four to six sources for each academic paper I need to write, and so I assign every paper that I'm reading, every journal article that I'm reading, a color. So when I'm writing my paper, I type in black if it's my thought. If it's a thought I got from a journal article, I type in the color of the journal article. And that way I could just free flow my thoughts without worrying about citations. And then at the end, I go back and I put the citations by color. I
0: love love it. How much time is that going to (laughs) save?
1: Oh my gosh, it saves me so much time because then when I send it to my editor, she's just editing my words. She's not editing all the citations. Then we put the citations in and then we edit the citations.
0: And this, and um, the other thing that's really important there that you talked about is being in your flow, because what we talk about a lot, is mm. like not multitasking. So at that point, you're just writing, you're just in your flow. And then yes. the citations, that they, will all come later, right? That will come at another time. Yes. Oh, this is good.
1: Right? So this will be more complicated when I do a dissertation. I already know that. But for papers, it's fine. And then when I need to do an annotated bibliography or when I need to do like uh, something like that, then I have in my mind given colors for certain things. I'm very color focused. So Mm. whenever I'm typing about people or population or the sample survey, it's always blue. If I'm typing about the hypothesis or the introduction, it's always pink. If I'm typing about the method or the um, actual research that was done, it's always purple. If I'm typing about the results, it's always green. If I'm typing about something that is going to be a limitation or a gap in the research, it's always orange. And so in that case, I am just because it's just one article that I am critiquing or or writing an annotated bibliography for. Then I can use the colors for the different things that need to be inside of that paper. But I'm not worrying about citations.
0: Brilliant. (laughs) This is. Do you know what's so brilliant (laughs) is that you've kind of gone again, it's again, it's the theme is you are making this work for you and you are saying, okay, this is, this is really going to work for me. And I think a lot of people spend a lot of energy going, I'm not doing this right. Everybody else, you know, I'm not doing it like everybody else. And the genius of this is that you are doing it like you. (laughs) And this, this, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to steal these ideas because they are brilliant. Um, but it's coming from a, from it, I can just get this spirit of of experimentation and creativity yeah. and playfulness and that this, you know, and and a kind of belief that this is figure outable, right? I'm gonna get I can I can do this, I can work it totally. out. Totally.
1: Well well, and I was recently diagnosed with ADHD because I, I was testing a test at a company. And basically what you would do when I was a teacher, what you would do if a student had ADHD is you chunk their assignments, you give them less on the page, you give them more frequent assignments. And so that's basically what I'm doing with my papers is I'm chunking them by color so that I can ideate faster and then go back and do the details, which are harder for me.
0: I love that. I love that. And it makes sense now in terms of what you were saying, needing to have that big picture in order to understand yes. the smaller thing. That makes absolute sense. And and so many, we're finding now so many um, of of uh, our colleagues in um, academia um, are working with neurodiversity, and that
1: that's why they're such
0: brilliant creative thinkers, right, <laughs> in terms of bringing together well, and- lots
1: of ideas and synthesising. That's why this research I want to do is so important because when I have talked to a couple of universities about what I'm doing and they're like, we need this research now. They said we have so many students coming to college and then getting diagnosed with ADHD and failing out of college and not becoming medical doctors and lawyers and all these things because they cannot stay organized in hashtag adulting once they leave their childhood home. Not because they're not smart enough to do the coursework. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, we need more doctors. We need more lawyers. We need more therapists. We need more of all these people. And they're like, as they're like, as soon as you could show this research, we will put this in as a freshman seminar. So, I, and that's why I started my PhD. I had three different universities and a medical institution all saying, okay, we want to do this research, but we can't find the PhD and we can't find the funding. I'm like, I'll fund it and I'll be the PhD. I'll go get the PhD and come back and then we'll do this. And they're like, they want to start the research now
0: oh my goodness right now now you've got me because I'm feeling all emotional now because this it, this is it's so yeah. this is so important so important um, and is going to mm-hmm. be revolutionary for people it really is and and I want mm. you to say a little bit about the the others So this obviously is all really applicable to academia and your journey right now mm-hmm. but I would like you to mm-hmm. say a little bit because I do think the the work that you do wider would be really helpful for people too because I know that that is a real challenge people have their um, academic life but they also of course have a whole other set you know at least one other set of lives going on if, if they're like you then they're working and managing a home as well um so tell us a little bit about that kind of wider sp- perspective and, and organized 365 and what you do there
1: sure so it started on a dark night in the rain while i was crying driving home from work you was know, all good stories do so i was turning 40 and my life was just, uh, I mean, an abysmal mess it, as everyone has had this experience where you're just like, I want to be a hundred. I've already mentioned that. And I was turning yes. 40 and I was like, I can't live another 60 years this way. Like nothing mm-hmm. is going right in my life. Like everything is falling apart. I'm not the wife I want to be. I'm not the mother I want to be. Apparently I'm not a good teacher, according to my administrator, although I didn't believe her and my house was a, a atrocious wreck. And so I quit my job and I started Organize 365 as a blog. And then I started doing in-home professional organizing in Cincinnati, Ohio. And in that first three years, um, I realized that, yes, I could get people organized and be a professional organizer. But what actually happened during that time was the women that I was serving learned the skill of organizing and they had never learned it. Like no one had ever taught it to them because where do you learn it? There, There is nowhere to learn it. You either know it or you don't. And specifically, what I was observing was that the women who did not know how to get organized, life would get moving too fast. It would run them over so that they were roadkill. And then they had no resources to become organized again. And they literally became locked in their homes because either their spouse said that they needed to get the house organized in order for them to re-enter society, or they had self-imposed that limitation upon themselves. And because all they saw was TV and Pinterest and Instagram, their house didn't match those pictures. And Mm -hmm. so until their house matched those pictures, they were not going to let themselves go out and reenter society. So it was in year four that I created my mission for my company, which is Organize 365 helps you get functionally organized so that you have more time to do what you are uniquely created to do. Because organization gives you time. Here's a newsflash for you. No one's house is perfect. It's never going to happen. Stop trying to get an A plus in laundry and dishes and go out there and get your PhD and do what you're uniquely created to do that is going to change the world. That's what you should be putting all your time and effort into.
0: Oh, Lisa, I love you. I love you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And I'm aware of time now as well, but really I could genuinely talk to you all day and I would really recommend... That people go and have a look at you. We'll we'll share all the we'll share all the details in the um in the show notes and and on Instagram. You you're documenting your PhD journey, so I'm sure that people would love to follow mm-hmm. that. We're gonna we're with you all the way. We are cheering you on. <laughs> um and uh, thank you, oh, thank you so much. so. I always before I let people go, I always um ask a very unfair question. In terms of asking for a top tip or top tips, and you've given us so much good stuff already. But I wonder if there's anything you'd pick out as your as your kind of top.
1: Yes. So I am not a perfectionist, and my mother was. And so I never met her expectations in school or in a lot of ways. But um along the way, I have gotten over the fact that I need to be a perfectionist, but I realize that often, especially in your PhD journey, I mean, you are already excellent and you are striving to be the best and to know a lot about your topic so that you can impact society. And Mm -hmm. so I have replaced the word perfection with excellence. And my top Mm -hmm. tip is I want everyone listening to say to themselves, I am not a perfectionist. I am a person of excellence. And when you say that, like your, your insides feel different. And you are excellent in your PhD journey. You are never going to be perfect. I know that you're going to do revisions over and over and over again. Uh, so I've heard through the podcast and all the things that I've done and my friends who have gotten PhDs, but we are trying to be perfect. You know, as we're getting our PhD, we are going through the paces because we are learning to think critically think like a doctor. You're becoming a doctor mm-hmm. and a doctor is not perfect, but they are more measured in their thought. They are more critical in their thinking. They are more culturally minded than the average person. And so you are excellent. You are an excellent person. You are a person of excellence, but perfection doesn't exist. So when you get frustrated because it's not perfect, just remember you're becoming a doctor and you are a person of excellence.
0: Oh my goodness. That's so
1: gorgeous. (laughs)
0: Lisa, thank you so much really for, for it all um and um i am really looking forward to um following your journey and to celebrating dr woodruff i really am um <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to to be here today thank you so much for having me and thank you all for listening